the beginning of Parashat Shemais, we have the story of Maishar Rabbeinu's birth. And it begins with the following Pasuk, Vayelich Ishmi Beis Levi, Vayikach Bas Levi. A man from the house of Levi, from Shevet Levi, went and married the daughter of Levi, which in this case meant literally it was the daughter of Levi. So we, we know that this was Amram and, uh, and Yechavet, right? So the Torah goes on to tell us that they got married and a baby was born and the baby was hidden for three months and then set in the river and his sister went to see what would happen to him. It never identifies who the father is, it never identifies who the mother is, and it never identifies the sister and doesn't even tell us what they named him. And they certainly gave him a name, right? <laughs> he was born, he had a bris. They did bris meal at that point. Uh, so they gave him a name, but we don't... I mean, Chazal gave us a few names, but we don't... Tyre doesn't tell us what, what they named him. Um, and it's highly puzzling because the Tyre doesn't keep it a secret. The Tyre in next week's parasha, in Parashat Vaera, when the Tyre goes through the yichos of Moshe and Aaron, it tells us that... And it says, Amram took his aunt, Yecheved, as a wife, and had Aaron and Moshe. Now, just by the way, you know, it sounds funny, you know, she, he took his aunt as a wife. Uh, he, was pro, he was older than her because she was only born when they came right into Mitzrayim, and Amram was likely born before that. So he was probably her age or, or, or older, and they were both actually quite old at this point. They were, uh, according to the Cheshbon, they were close to, um, they were 130 years old. So they were quite old. Uh, which is a different discussion that there was an ace involved in her having Moshe Rabbeinu. But regardless, the, it's very puzzling because next week's parasha tells us that Amram, married to Chabad, had Moshe, and this week's parasha says, all uh, closed, uh, shrouded in secrecy, Ishmi Beis Levi, Bas Levi. What's the secret? Why, why doesn't it want to say what their names are? <clears throat> We're all familiar that Rashi explains that this marriage was reality, in reality a second marriage. First, Amram divorced Yechaved, and when Pare decreed that all male children were going to be thrown into the Nile to drive, to, to, to uh, drown. And then Miriam, his daughter Miriam, rebuked him and told him that even if Pare's decree sentenced all the boys to death, why should your decree then be worse than Pare and sentence the girls never to be born? And he accepted her rebuke and remarried Yechavit. Now what Rashi doesn't quote, but you might be familiar, is that in the Madrash and in the Gemara, that Amram was the god Hadar. And when he divorced Yechavet, everybody got up and followed his example. Everyone divorced their wives. Now, I never did this before, but take a minute and think about what that means. Think about what that scene looked like. Pari had just made the most horrible decree ever, yet, right? To throw all the babies into the Nile River. Kali Yisrael has been suffering already intense slavery and suffering brutality for hundreds of years, hundreds, right? It was 200, almost, almost 200 years already. And there was no ready end in sight. It was going to be another 80 years, right? Till, till uh, Maishu Rabbeinu is taking them out of Mitzrayim. And recently, according to Rashi, things have gotten significantly worse with ch- children being snatched and then murdered so to make some kind of a refua healing potion for Paroi. And now this decree, which totally demolished the hope of Kal Yisrael because all the boys were going to get slaughtered. And Amram seemingly played right into it and he decreed that the correct approach is truly abandoned married life. And I mean, and everybody then followed his example and divorced their wives, so that means married life, mothers, fathers, all broke up. It means every single home in Klyosrael became a broken home. Can you picture the severity and the intensity of such a decision and knowing that everybody's going to follow his example? Can you imagine the level of a Christ? You know, the, 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 
what that takes to make a decision like that, what kind of foresight, what should have been, what, how much effort must have been poured into making such a world-altering decision with such ramifications and repercussions. It was essentially removing the hope of Kali Yisrael, breaking up every single house, shattering whatever little happiness and comfort and love that there was there was everybody separated all of Kali says everybody got up and divorced their wives so can you even ever think of another example in history where one leader made such a choice such a decision which was such tremendous ramifications I can't think of one and then he makes this decision and his advice and example are followed to a man Right, so you can imagine the mass use, right, the despondency that must have followed this decision, the solid, the sadness and suffering, it had just reached untold levels. And then, his six-year-old daughter pipes up, and says, "Hey, Tom, what about the girls?" Just, uh, uh, and that's all Rashi quotes. Now, truthfully, Chazal says that she was already a navi; she was a prophet, and she prophesied that the savior of Kali Yisrael, Mashiach Yisrael, is about to be born. And Chazal explained that she went to watch Moshe in the Nile River because she knew he would survive, but it says that uh, apparently Yecheved and Amram did not go to watch, and presumably it was because they thought he would die, they didn't want to watch him die. And Chazal even tells us that he, they doubted the, 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 the nevuah of Yecheved, and, and Amram actually rebuked her for like, why are you making up a nevuah? It's clearly not true. So Rashi doesn't bring it at all, and regardless, they didn't clearly believe her as far as the nevuah wasn't so clear that her, her nevuah was true. So, in any case, a six-year-old daughter makes an argument, and then that argument alone, according to Rashi, was enough to change Amram's position. So he goes and he remarries Yechabed, which caused him to see, all to see that he just stepped back from his decision. Mistake. He rescinded his decision. This decision, which was unmatched in all the history of Klal Yisrael, had just gotten all of Klal Yisrael to divorce their wives, broken marriages, everybody was... And, and, and then he says, no, it's all a mistake. I'm sorry, my six-year-old daughter corrected me. And I made a mistake. And now we're all going to get remarried. And he does it himself. He takes the first step. He remarries his wife. <clears throat> now, what do you think they thought of Amram at that moment? Think of it. How did they look at him at that, at that point when he says, I made a mistake? They said, you made a mistake? <laughs> About something of this level of importance? You call yourself a leader? How could you do this to all of us? And I saw in a Sefer that the Sefer says that this is why the terror does not say his name or her name. Because at this moment, they were not famous people, so to speak. At this moment, they were not being appreciated. It, it, was, it, wasn't, it, wasn't, it wasn't a good time for them from, what, from, from where they stood. But now, that being the case, Let's think of it uh, for a moment about the significance of this change. And, and from there we'll understand why indeed Amram and Yechebed were worthy of being Moshe Rabbeinu's parents. Because we don't really know anything about Amram and Yechebed. The extent that we know about them is this. This is the only thing the Torah tells us about them, really, Chazal. We don't know anything about them. And the only thing, the, the Moshe Rabbeinu didn't have much to do with them. Moshe Rabbeinu was, you know, had, after three months he was thrown into the Nile, then he was in Paris Palace. And then he was Adam Mitzrayim. So I don't know what kind of connection he had with Amram and Yechavah, but not much. So wh- whatever we know is this. And this is what they did. And really it's teaching us something which is earth-shattering. Can you think of any other example in history 
where Godel could make such a moment, such a tremendously momentous decision, which with such ramifications, such importance, which dealt such a, a severe change into Jewish life, and then admit a mistake, step back and say, okay, I'm sorry, I made a mistake, and not only admit a mistake, but admit a mistake at the suggestion of a six-year-old girl, it's unfathomable. I mean, what does it take for us to admit a mistake? Little, tiny little mistakes, <laughs> right? Little ones. Uh, like we spoke not nicely, you know, we, maybe we were a little too sharp. Uh, or, uh, you know, we spoke out of turn or a little disrespectful. What does it take us to admit, okay, yeah, I was, it, it's a big deal. Right? We could do it, but it's a big deal. What does it take, I'll speak personally as a row, you make a psak and then you realize you made a mistake, right? So what does it take to admit that you made a mistake? It's very easy. You can, you know, have your Shemayim, you could undo it. You could call up and you say, you know, I thought about it and I think this is what you should do. It's not so easy to call up and say, you know, I realized I made a mistake. <laughs> That's a madrega to do that. And then if you made a, a psak that affected a whole kahila, to then go and change it, you'll do everything in your power not to have to do that. Unless you're absolutely forced and you have no choice. The humility for Amram to be able to make this change is an unfathomable level. It's inconceivable. And it then demonstrates Yerushimayim and truthfulness and emes, which, which, we, which is beyond our comprehension. And those are the parents of Moshe Rabbeinu. The person who eventually would accept the Torah and teach the Torah, who was the most humble person on earth, Anam Mikal Adam, who, a person who was able to say to, in two instances that he made, Moshe Rabbeinu made a mistake. He said, I knew this was the halacha. I was taught this halacha by Hashem. Shamati v'shochachti. I forgot it. He didn't say, okay, yeah, you're right. He said, Shamati, I knew this. Shochachti, and I forgot it. Chazal praised him for that. And he was shown up by his own Talmud, Eliezer, his nephew. He was a product of parents that possessed and demonstrated that self-same ability. And all these qualities add up together to a level of MS of truthfulness, which is truly unshakable. I mean, if nothing can stand in the way of the truth, not personal shame, not embarrassment, not pride, and here we see they were publicly humiliated, so, so much so that the terror couldn't even write their names at this point, because that was the kind of position they held in Klai Yisrael that no one wanted to talk about them then. And they were able to do that on the suggestion of a six-year-old. With all the consequences... That was the house which Moshe Rabbeinu could come from. It was a superhuman level, and it was that decision, actually, which created Mashiach and Shal Yisrael. It was then, at this, Ve'yelech Ishmi Beis Levi, Ve'yikach Bas Levi, unnamed, that created Mashiach and Shal Yisrael. That, that was what was necessary. <clears throat> and if you think for a moment just about what was exactly the back and forth between Miriam and Amram, so... It's, again, hard to understand, but it would seem that Amram held that the pain and suffering to have to witness your own son being drowned justifies not living together. A person not expected to do that. It's not even the right thing to do that. It'll destroy us even more. destroy the Jewish nation even more. They have children and see them being thrown into the Nile. And Miriam countered that Hashem never makes a situation where, you, where there's no hope. And getting divorced destroys all hope. And a Jew always has to hold on to hope. Oh, that, that's what Amunah and Betachan is based on, and it's, it's an example that Miriam set and Amram then set, which was followed throughout history. 
Jews got married in the darkest of time, they had children in the darkest of time, in the Holocaust and pre-Holocaust and the ghetto, they never gave up, they never stopped, and they never stopped ensuring the eternal life of Kalah They never stopped believing in it and always clung to that light. So ultimately it was this decision, this psak of Miriam, this Hashkafic decision, this, this historic altering decision that set the tone for the Kalah survival throughout the generations. Have a good night and a good Shabbos.